Welcome to the C3 Church Watson Podcast. Our vision is to connect you to Jesus, develop you as a follower of Christ, and empower you to build the church. We hope you are blessed by this week's message. Welcome, everybody. So good to see everybody's faces in this building. And if you're watching online, welcome to you as well. We're so glad that you're able to join us. Uh, And I'm excited because we're going to be starting a new series this morning, and it's called Faith Works. And I was saying in the first service that I didn't know that the second word was part of the title for this series, but it's all good because Jesus works, faith works, and my message absolutely speaks to the fact that faith will work in our life. So we're going to look at what faith means. We're going to look at how we can live in in faith over the next couple of weeks. And I'm so honoured, firstly, to be given the pulpit from Pastor Mel and Paul, who are having a great break, just by the way. Well, I hope. I haven't heard. I haven't checked. I assume they're having a great break. Um, But I'd like to thank them for giving me this chance to speak. Uh, But also, I am excited to be kicking off a series. I was saying in between the services, usually I'm at the end and I have to like sort of work out what hasn't been said. This time, I get to say whatever I like. No... (laughs) Well, within reason. But faith is something I'm really passionate about because I truly believe that what we believe has an impact not only on our eternal destiny, but also the way we live our day-to-day lives here on earth. So I'm excited to share with you what the Bible says about faith, what Jesus tells us about how we can live our life. Uh, And I'm hoping that it will be an encouragement to all of us as well. Because, you know, Everybody in this room, what unites us is our faith, our shared faith. Uh, So I'm excited to dig into that a bit more. So we're going to read two interrelated scriptures. Uh, I promise they tie together. It'll be evident by the time we get to the second one. Um, But the first one is from Mark chapter 11. And we're picking up a story. Jesus is going into, uh, into the temple. And on his way, he passes a fig tree. And the fig tree has leaves but no fruit. Now, that's important but we're not going to look at that right now. But it's important. Had no fruit, and he curses the tree. And he says to the tree, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. Okay, so remember that. We pick up the story the next day. He's been to the temple, done a few things there. Read about it yourself. Uh, And we pick up the story in verse 19. It says, when evening came, Jesus and his disciples went out of the city. In the morning, as they went along, they saw the fig tree withered from the roots. Peter remembered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, look, the fig tree you cursed has withered. Have faith in God, Jesus answered. Truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go, throw yourself into the sea, and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. Amen. Well, now we've got a second story, similar sort of situation, slightly. The disciples, a guy comes up to them, his son has a demon inside him, and he asks the disciples to get rid of the demon. They can't. Well, what do you do? You ask the manager, who's a bit of a Karen. And and he he asks the manager, he he takes the son to Jesus instead, uh, and he, he says, Lord, have mercy on my son. He has seizures and is suffering greatly. He often falls into the fire or into the water. I brought him to your disciples, but they could not heal him. You unbelieving and perverse generation, Jesus replied. 
How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Side note, wow, never good when someone says put up with you. (laughs) Bring the boy here to me. Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of the boy and he was healed at that moment. Then the disciples came to Jesus in private and asked, why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, because you have so little faith. Truly, I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. You can see the connection, right? Okay, we're going to quickly pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you that you are the God who can move mountains. Lord, I pray that this series, we're going to learn how to be people who have faith, even as small as a mustard seed, Lord. Lord, I pray that we will learn how to live a faith-filled life that will let faith work in our life. And Lord, I pray for healing and peace in my spirit, Lord, after Arsenal lost 4-0 this morning. Please bring me peace. Amen. Okay. I'm believing. It was rough, guys. Okay. As we open up this series on faith, I just want to spend a few minutes reflecting on what faith is so we can set the context, set the scene uh, for what we're going to look at this series. And I want to remind everyone or establish that everybody in the world believes something, whether they realize it or not. And that is because life is inherently filled with questions that we cannot find, you know, solid, hard evidence for every single answer because they they just don't work like that. And you, you, you understand why in a second. See, what is the empirical evidence for how we are supposed to live our life? What, how are we supposed to find the answer for what I'm supposed to do? What is true happiness? Where do we come from? What does it mean to be truly satisfied? Is Bigfoot real? Or more importantly, is there a God? Is there heaven? What happens after we die? See, everybody has to confront these questions one way or another. And all of the answers are rooted in some sort of belief. Because as I said, at the end of the day, there is no empirical evidence to answer any one of those questions. But you may have met somebody who claims to not believe anything, right? They claim instead to trust in rationality and logic. And they say, oh, I don't have time for belief in God. No, I'm rational and logical. Well, that's also been in decline. You met I'm sure we've all heard the statistics, and I've got a few more for you. Since 2003 to this year, in a Roy Morgan survey, they found that the percentage of Australians who uh, identified with a religion has dropped from 73% to 53.4%, and that those who describe themselves as having no religion has increased from 26% to 45.5%. But aside from the facts, we all have the anecdotal evidence to know that we've met someone who says that they just don't believe. But when we start to dig a bit deeper, you'll notice that even these things start from a point of faith. So let's take a question, use it as an example, and do a bit of a thought experiment. The question's really simple. How do we treat one another? Simple question. We all can agree, and just because somebody believes something or doesn't know what they believe... Doesn't mean it's wrong, but let's, let's, let's go on the journey. So how do we treat one another? 
we can all agree that we are to love one another, treat each other with respect, that there are inalienable rights, that there's human rights that we are all uh, entitled to, that we should all be given and granted to one another. But let's pair this thought that we should treat each other equally with the secular idea that we have come, that we are the result of natural selection, of competition, of survival of the fittest, which necessitates that along the journey, we have not treated each other with respect and equality, equality because otherwise the apex predator wouldn't rise to the top, right? So to come to the conclusion that we should treat each other equally, we have to make some level of faith belief that we are different from the animal kingdom, but, but at the same time, we're believing that we're just the result of the animal kingdom. See, there, there has to be a faith point that connects those two together. There's a Russian uh, philosopher who says that modern secular belief is that we, uh, the descendants of apes, therefore love one another. Well, where do we... There's a point of faith that's somewhere in that. So, noting this, keeping this in mind, Tim Keller, who founded the Redeemer Church in New York City, he's a renowned writer, Christian leader, thinker, he noted that the society that we live in now is probably the first in history that doesn't believe that it has any beliefs. So if we take that and acknowledge that that's not true. We all have beliefs. Our faith needs, we need to address two things with our faith. Firstly, what is it that we believe? Because we have to acknowledge that we believe something. And two, we actually need to consider what that is. Because if we all have to believe something, we should make sure we're believing the right thing. So what we believe is important. But then the second part to the whole story of faith is that it will drive how we live our life. See, if I believe, if my faith is that I'm the fastest person in the world, I will do things to make sure that's true. I will train, I will work out, I'll go to the Olympics, I'll do, I'll make, shape my life around being the fastest in the world. Or if I am believing and faithful that I can run a billion dollar business, I'm gonna hustle, I'm gonna get on that grind, I'm gonna make them dollar bills. Because that's what I believe I can do, right? I'm going to live a life that will make that happen. See, this can be both positive or negative, but the impact of our faith is still the same. Our faith system will determine how we approach life, what we think we are capable of, what we deserve, how we think we should love, what the point of life is, and how we treat one another. See, there are lots of things that people believe, regardless of whether they believe that it's a belief or not. And it will permeate into every part of your life. I've got a song that we're going to play in a second. Because this came on, I was just doing some work, random Spotify playlist, random song on a Spotify playlist. It's a bit of a bop. We're going to play it. And uh, I think there's something interesting. So I'll hand over to the, the techies and we'll play it. Awesome, that's all we need to hear. And what we find is that as I'm bopping along at work, I'm listening to a statement of faith. This guy says, dancing is what to do. Dancing, when I think of you, dancing 
is what clears my soul. Dancing is what makes me whole. That's a statement of faith. That is what he thinks clears his soul and makes him whole. And, you know, I'm going to make a suggestion. This guy is probably making excuses or finding reasons to go dancing. He's going to shape his life around going dancing. And I just like, I love a dance as, any, as much as anybody, but it's not clearing my soul or making me whole. What we believe will drive how we live. And when it comes to our faith in God, this becomes exponentially greater because it's no longer about what we believe about ourselves, but our faith in God is what we believe God can do, not just what we can do. Faith is a gift from the Holy Spirit, and it is through faith that we can achieve great things. There's a whole chapter in the Bible, in Hebrews 11, that is called the Hall of Fame of Faith. And it lists all the Old Testament uh, heroes of the faith. And it, it reads, we're going to join it in verse 1. It says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. And then what happens in the next verses, you'll see there it says, By faith Abel brought God a better offering than Cain. And then if we go to the next verse, it begins with, By faith Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. And then, we've, and then we go to the next verse, and it says, By faith Noah when warned about the things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. And it goes on for a whole chapter. It's a long chapter. It's like three pages in my Bible. And each verse begins with the statement, by faith. By faith, X did something incredible. And so I had to think, well, what does by mean? What is the, why is it by faith? And by is a preposition. I Googled it trust the internet. But the definition is really cool because it tells us what the word by is intended to do. And it, the definition of by is the means of achieving something. So this whole chapter is telling us step by step that the means through which great biblical figures experienced the blessings in their life was by faith. Faith was the means through which they experienced the blessing. So what we believe is important. And where we place our faith will drive how we live our lives. And that's what this whole series is going to look at. And I just wanted to talk about that before we get into the depth, because this is where we are for the next four weeks, three weeks, something like that. So we just need to establish that as we open up the Word. So let's go back to Mark chapter 11, Matthew chapter 17, and see what we can find about how we can live a life of great faith. And the first thing we're confronted with with, this, with these two stories is that the question of, can we literally say to Mount Majura, up you get, and go to Lake Burley Griffin? Now, I'm not one to put restrictions on God. And I do truly believe that if he wanted to, he could make it happen. But I haven't seen any flying saucer mountains around lately. And I realized as I was preparing this message that just because he says move mountains doesn't mean it had to fly, but that's how I like to imagine it. It could have just been a landslide. But I do know that I have prayed prayers in my heart and believed with a full heart of faith 
and the outcome hasn't been what I expected. And I know that probably many people in this room have had the same experience. There are people in my life who have had faith-filled prayers and yet not seen the victory. So, is it just that our faith isn't as large or as a mustard seed? Or is there something more to, to this uh, than first meets the eye? And spoiler, I've got six more minutes. I'm going to go over, sorry. Not by long. But the spoiler is that there's more to say. There's more to this story. Before I break down the three keys of living a faith-filled life, it's important for us to understand the context of what exactly Jesus is saying. So Jesus is using an incredible image of moving mountains. And this is a repeated um, metaphor that he uses. He uses it four times in the Gospels about moving mountains and putting them into specifically uh, seas. And he is using this imagery and referencing an old Jewish saying called uprooter of mountains. And this was in reference to the destruction of the temple that was um, foretold that there would be an uprooter of mountains, that the temple would be destroyed and placed into the sea. And so when Jesus says uh, that he's, when Jesus says that we can move mountains, he's talking about the destruction of the temple, but he's also talking about the removal of the obstacles in our life that we may face. The second thing that we find about the repetition of the phrase helps us understand that This isn't just a specific instruction, but more a general teaching that Jesus has been speaking on. It would have been something that he said to the disciples even more regularly regularly than we have recorded. So it's something that he is saying to help guide them in the future, i.e. have great faith and you will do great things. So all in all, we have the image of Jesus Uh, trying to foreshadow the end of the religious temple and tradition of Jewish culture. We have the juxtaposition of big mountains and tiny seeds. And then we have the promise of receiving whatever we ask for in prayer. So in the timeless words of Shrek, these passages are like an onion. They have layers. So there are three things as as I get to the meat in the last little bit of my message that I want us to take away about how we can live a life of great faith. And the first is so simple, yet hard, but so simple. We are called to have faith in God. See, that's how this passage in Mark begins in verse 22. It says, have faith in God. This seems like a simple idea, but there is power in the simple Our whole faith is built on the idea that we are saved through grace, which we received by faith. When Jesus tells us in Matthew 17 to have faith as small as a mustard seed, the size is not what is important. It's the object of our faith that is important. We need to have faith in God and his promises. So do you believe that we worship a good God? Do you believe that he loves you? Do you have a faith that he will work everything out for your good? Do you believe that he knows you intimately, every hair on your head, that he cares for you? Do you believe that he died on the cross for your sins, was raised again, and now you have eternal life in heaven? Because that is the God that we worship. That is the God who created us. 
And then what do you let that faith do in your life? Do you let it work itself out? Do you let it help change how you live, how you make decisions? Do you let that faith fill you with joy, fill you with hope? Because we have a God who is so much bigger than anything we face. So the first step to letting uh, faith shape our life is by doing the faith part. To truly believe that God is in looking out for your best interests. And we do this by getting to know God, learning to trust Him. And faith is spoken. Faith speaks into our life. So let it speak. Let the Word of God speak to you. Declare the promises of God over your life. See, this is one thing that I'm so grateful for my, my upbringing the church I went to, the kids' church I went to, they printed out for us Jeremiah 29, verse 11. And they put our name in it, so it read, For I know the plans I have for you, Timothy, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. And I had that printed and put up on my wall, and it was just I just didn't bother taking it down. But what I didn't realize I was doing, from the age of seven, I was planting a seed of a promise of God in my life. I would see it on the wall and I'd go, oh, that's cool. And now that is so deeply rooted in my heart that whenever I face a trial, whenever I face struggle, I know that God has a plan and he'll work it out for good, that he has a future and a hope for me. So what can you start declaring over your life? What can you, what, go and find the promises of God and declare them over your life. Speak them. So my second point comes from verse 24 of Mark chapter 11, which is that we are to pray. So the second key to a faith, uh, key to allowing faith to shape our life is prayer, which means we need to learn how to pray a faith-filled prayer. In James 4 verse 1 to 3, he says, What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires, desires that battle within you? You desire, but do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. So the first part of praying to God with faith is first having the right heart. We can't just treat God like a genie and pray that he will grant out every pleasure. Whilst that would be lovely, it is rather impractical, because what happens when there are two contradictory requests? I have another thought experiment for you. Megan and I, were buying one car. We've agreed it's one car. So we could both go and pray separately for the car. Tim's over here. God, I pray for BMW M4. Straight line six, two turbos, that green color. Mm. Leather interior, amen. Megan's over here praying a little bit more practically. God, we don't have the money for BMW M4. (laughs) We might have kids one day. Can we get a bigger car? A a Mazda CX-5, thank you. And we come together and we pray these prayers. What's God supposed to do? Whose prayer is he supposed to answer? Mine, but... He's promised that he will answer our prayers, right? Well, how does he do this? Are we now breaking the promise of one cup? No, that's not the answer. And if you have any more, uh, if you need any more proof, 
that just answering everybody's pleasure requests doesn't end well, watch Wonder Woman 1984. The whole premise of the movie is literally this idea. But God is not here to just grant everything that we might have a whimsical desire for. Rather, we need to find another way to pray. And we find one in 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 to 15. It says, This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of Him. The key to praying faith-filled prayers is to be aligned with the will of God. And this makes sense because if we are faithful and taking on the things we learned in key number one, i.e. getting to know God, trusting Him, believing in Him, and allowing Him to shape our life, then we will want His will done in the world. And so we will pray because we know that He's promised us that He will fulfill our prayers. So we'll pray that His will will be done in the world. And it'll become this nice little cycle. Nowhere is there a greater embodiment of this type of prayer than in Luke chapter 22, verse 42. Jesus is about to be crucified, and he says, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Here's his desire. But then he submits, yet not my will, but yours be done. If any time there was a time for God to, you know, just grant like a genie, this might have been it. His son's about to die, and yet Jesus still prays yet not my will, but yours be done. So as our prayers align with the will of God, the contradictions and opposing views will disappear as we all pray for the same outcome. And to me, that's so incredibly powerful to think about. If we all come together and pray for the will of God to be done, imagine what we could achieve. Imagine what God could achieve. So we have the faith and we pray God's will. And finally, key three, is to know that he's, it is already done. In both 1 John and in Mark chapter 11, when, we talk, when the Bible tells us about prayer, he doesn't say, pray and believe that it will be done. No, he says that we should pray and believe and have faith that it has been done. See, on the cross, Jesus accomplished everything we could ever need. He has restored a new creation. He has restored us to a new body. He provides for us. He is the Prince of Peace. He has released God's Spirit out into the world. He has granted us eternal life. He has made us into a new creation and He will give us everything that we need. So when we pray for God's will to be done, we can be confident that it has already come to pass. So regardless of what the result of our prayer is, what the result of the prayer looks like, we can be confident that Jesus has already overcome the world. Does that mean we will never face trials or challenges or obstacles that we need to overcome? No. Does it mean we'll always have everything we need Sorry, does it mean that we will always have good health, that we'll never get sick, that we'll never have an illness or an injury? No. But it does mean that when we pray, we expect we can expect breakthrough, 
but accept that God may be allowing our circumstance to shape us. Yet we still have faith that He can move our mountain, that He can move our obstacle, and that we can overcome. That means our faith does not end at the point of prayer. Rather, we pray faithfully and in submission to God's will and continue to faithfully believe that our prayer has been heard and answered. Therefore, if it doesn't look the way we expect it to, it is not because it has not been heard and answered, but rather we have the faith to know that however that prayer is answered will be for the greater good. So we have faith in God. We pray faith-filled prayers and we believe that it has already been accomplished. Thanks for listening. We hope to see you in church again this weekend. To find out more about our church, find us online at c3churchwatson.com.au.